Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast. This is episode number 232. Joining me again today, your friend and mine, the inimitable Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am fabulous, Chad. Fabulous, that's good. That- Yes. Why would you be fabulous? I don't know. I can be fabulous if I want to be. You just are. It's, it's, yeah. it's your just natural feeling state. fabulous today. Yeah. <laughs> you know why I'm feeling fabulous? Why are you feeling fabulous? Here's why I'm feeling fabulous. The Reds are tied for first place in the National League Central Division. Are. They have not lost a game in more than a month. It's been over a month. Yeah. And they're tied for first again. Man, what a great month October's been. Yeah. I was always looking for the Reds to have a good... Undefeated in the playoffs, whoever could have guessed. <laughs> right. I've been waiting years and years for the Reds to uh, do well in the in uh, October, and hey, finally happened. So, uh, anyway, October had... It, the Reds, you know, we're, we're goofing around a little bit, but as we move into November, I'm starting to get a little bit optimistic about these Cincinnati Reds, Jason. And I want to begin with th- talking about uh, David Bell, because you and I haven't talked about... Uh, the Reds' new manager, David Bell, yet. Did you, do you have any thoughts on – I know Bill Lack and I got a chance to talk about it last week, but I'm looking forward to hearing what your thoughts are about the Reds hiring David Bell. Um, I mean, based on what I knew of things, he was more or less my first choice. It, you know, it's kind of a, a couple-person tie where I was like, I would be fine with any of these. Um, you know, a lot of people were worked up about Girardi. I didn't really care about Girardi. I didn't think he was necessarily a good fit for the club. Um. But Bell, I mean, he's pretty, he said all the right things. You know, it's always the case. Just because somebody nails the interview doesn't mean that they're good at the job. But um, we'll see. But based on everything I've heard and, and read about him, he I, I was kind of pulling for him. Yeah, I think it's a situation where, um, in terms of what we knew publicly, I he was my favorite candidate based on publicly available information. Do I know whether that he was the best candidate the Reds could have gotten? No, because I wasn't in these interviews. I didn't hear these. We'll say, but based on publicly available information, he was a guy that I was pretty sure at least met my minimum requirements for the Reds' new manager. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> am I expect? Well, what, what, what good can we say about this candidate? Well, he meets the minimum requirements. Okay, and now now that sounds bad when you say it like that. But who's the last Reds manager that met the minimum requirements that you? hoped for out of a Reds manager. Well, I mean, I was pretty excited for Brian Price. Yeah, that's a good point, fun. actually. I thought he was a pretty good hire, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just... so Brian Price. <laughs> Crap. Not Riggleman? Yeah. No. It was also announced that Jim Riggleman will not be back with the Reds in any that uh, capacity. Was really quite interesting. That was the first announcement after David Bell that made me think, whoa, what's, something's going on here. Yeah, something's changing, for yeah. sure. And I think that's sort of the uh, going to be the topic of this podcast. That again, here we are trying to be optimistic in the in the face of fourth straight ninety plus loss season. But there are some signs that the the way I put it uh, earlier this week was it's starting to look maybe like the Reds aren't acting like a team that's in the first year of a rebuild. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, they're starting to make yeah. moves with the idea that they're that we want they're to like compete now. Right. And then, well, and there's the thing about like, it's going to be record payroll. We're going to get the pitching. And I mean, you know, we'll see. Get the pitching. 
Yeah. Hash Brown, get the pishing. Um, for those of you that haven't heard, that's what uh, Bob Castellini said, uh, that the Reds were going to do this offseason. Uh, upon the hiring of David Bell, he had to talk because for some reason the owner has to be in those press conferences in Cincinnati. But uh, he said that's what they got to do now, get the pitching. I think he even said Hash Brown, get the pitching. Did, did, he, did Castellini say that? He might have said Hash Brown. I think he did. That yeah. would be a very Castellini thing to say and definitely not a Dawson C thing to say. Exactly. So anyway, the first uh, – so David Bell, that's an encouraging hire for a lot of reasons. Um, he's, he's, he's open-minded. He is, has been employed by really good organizations, and so he's got to see the way other teams do things. And he's not – he's – people complain because he's an inside hire because his name is Bell. Yeah. I just think that's a disservice to him. Uh, he, he, I tend to agree. Yeah, I mean, he was a good candidate for this job if, if his name had been Smith. Or Dotson. No. Not David Dotson? No, not then. No, no. I got an uncle named that. I would never hire a Dotson. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad the Commonwealth of Virginia disagrees. Well, you know. Anyway, David Bell or Dotson or Lyndon or whatever his name is, Smith, uh, is the the Reds' new manager. And so that's, that's encouraging. He fits our minimum requirements. Yes. Boom. Immediately thereafter... Jim Riggleman, no longer with the uh, organization in any capacity. And th- and I want to dive into that just for a moment because the reason why I'm encouraged by that is not because I think Jim Riggleman is like evil or Jim Riggleman can't you know have any value to any major league organization. I don't think that's true. But I think that for so long in this organization, everybody seems to fail upwards. And the Reds are hesitant to get rid of anyone. And in the past, it seems like to me, Riggleman would have been the bench coach next year or, uh, you know, advisor to the general manager or assistant to the regional manager or something. And the Reds said, no, we're starting new. We're bringing in, I think they're going to bring in a whole new uh, coaching staff that we're going to talk about in just one moment. The first piece of that. But to me, it was an encouraging sign. And maybe it's just because I'm looking for reasons to be optimistic. Uh, do you think I'm making too much of the, the announcement about Jim Riggleman? No, I think I, I agree that that feels really quite significant. Um, you, because like you say, they can't. They, I mean, and, and Riggleman's been in the organization for a while also. Um, so, yeah, no, that that's that was unusual. I was surprised uh, pleasantly. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see, as is always the case. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. But again, the Reds, you know, we've complained about the uh, ownership uh, being too involved, and the Reds, you know, just making some dumb decisions. But here's, you know, here's uh, the Reds starting to make some decisions that are decisions that we might have made, and it's been a long time to, since we could say that. I think, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, quite, quite so. So the big news this week. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into this. Is uh, Derek Johnson? The Reds uh, have hired the first member of David Bell's coaching staff. It's uh, Derek Johnson. That, he's the new pitching coach in Cincinnati. And most of you are probably like, who's Derek Johnson? Who cares? You know, how's this a, how's this a big deal? I think this is a huge deal. I mean, I think this is a just insanely good hiring. And here's why. And I think it also indicates some really good things that are coming for the Reds. Derek Johnson was the Brewers pitching coach the last couple of years. And of course, just go look at the numbers. Go look at what he did with that uh, team, what he did with uh, guys like Wade Miley, uh, Gio Gonzalez, uh, Hader, J- Josh Hader, obviously. Uh, and in, in college, he was a pitching coach at Vanderbilt, 
uh, where he uh, turned David Price and Sonny Gray into big-time prospects. and So he's been with the Brewers the last uh, two or three years, three seasons. The three seasons before that, he was the Chicago Cubs minor league pitching coordinator. And he's just everyone. There's no one that uh, has a bad thing to say about him. He's very highly regarded within the uh, within baseball. And how we know this is the Brewers desperately wanted to keep him. And if you read between the lines, you don't have to read that far between the lines, but the Reds had to, let me see if I can find the quote here. I had it pulled up and I've I've lost it now, but the Reds uh, had to sort of negotiate a little bit and had to match. The Brewers were trying to match whatever the Reds were hiring. The, uh, <laughs> the Brewers spent three days trying to convince him to stay and, and upping their ante. And the Reds, it looks an awful lot like the Reds laid out the money to get him. Yeah. And how long has it been since the Reds have outbid anyone for anything? So that's the first reason I'm uh, excited. But I want to give you, get your uh, take on. Uh, well, I mean, in fairness, the Reds, you know, definitely outbid everybody else for Bronson Arroyo last year. I'm not going to sit here and listen to you defame Bronson Arroyo. You know, we love Bronson. We do love Bronson, but yes, he. he yeah, no. They paid the major I, league minimum and outbid everyone. Yeah, I don't know much about this guy. I'm, you know, but. Yeah, everything we've seen about him seems to indicate that this is a this is a quality hire, and that they that they made a strong effort uh, to get you know to to get a good staff in. And I think you know a whole new staff. You know, I think when when you've been losing like the Reds have been losing lately, the, one of the approaches you can take, or one of the good things you can do, is basically be like, no, 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 we're starting new now. Obviously, you can't turn your roster over completely, but you can turn over who the roster deals with, you know, the coaches and things, uh, and kind of sort of change the culture. And if you bring in coaches who are coming in with an expectation of winning and all of that kind of stuff, then then perhaps that can have a, an effect sort of throughout the organization. Yeah, no, I mean, I just think... Um... In terms of being able to attract free agents, this can't hurt. But uh, the rumors are, number one, that the, the Reds outbid the Brewers by a significant margin. Uh, David, here it is. The David Stearns, the uh, general manager for the uh, Brewers, who's a bright general manager, I mean, really one of the star up-and-coming stars in baseball. Like He's like 14 years old, I think. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty good to be a major league GM, GM at that age. Better than either of us are doing. Yeah, really. Tell me about it. But anyway, he said that they had extensive negotiations with Johnson over the past week because we wanted to retain him. And the rumor, the the, the rumors, I guess they are, are that the Reds seriously um, outbid them. But also, there's some talk that maybe the Reds are going to hand over. They paid him so much because they're going to hand over control of pitching in the entire organization to him in terms of everybody's going to be following his plan all throughout the organization's and and Dick Williams has talked about the Reds having a more consistent message throughout the organization. So maybe it's like pitching coach plus or something. But I don't know. I, I just think the Reds go outside the organization for a manager. They go outside the organization for a pitching coach. They get the best available manager, I believe, or at least they believe he is. And they get the best available pitching coach and go and outbid a division rival for him. And those are things we've never seen the Reds do. Uh, well, at least not in you know two decades. It's been a while for sure. Yeah, it's it's nice to see. Um, yes, now if they can outbid some other teams for starting pitching, much going to be much more important. And yeah. uh, and this is not where it needs to start stop, but it's a good start, I guess, and it's encouraging yeah, I, because we were hopeful I, the Reds would do this. 
yes, I fully agree. I'm 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 excited, and, and it's you know, it's I mean, it's inevitable, right? The off season happens, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, yeah, this seems okay. So hopefully it actually is. But yeah, yeah, maybe it's just me looking again, looking for reasons. No, I'm right there with you. I, I'm not. I'm not throwing you like out there. No, no, no. I'm right there with you. I'm like, yeah, baseball, the Reds, 2019. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's it's a 180 degree turn from where we were last off season because you and I were both last off season. We were sort of yeah. like the Reds need to go all in right now. They need to. They can turn the corner if they will just try this winter. And all they did was sign two relief pitchers. Yeah. And two relief pitchers who turned out to be pretty good, but. We thought they should go all in like this last year. And I still think that. I, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, but they have to do it this year. And we don't know they're going all in. But their their owner says they're going to get the pitching. Hash Brown, get the pitching. I mean, we have heard we have heard payroll talk and, and player acquisition talk uh, publicly that has not been heard before. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's new. Like some of the Castellini stuff, the, the, those quotes are new. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know this, but it seems to me that, you know, a lot of stuff came out kind of toward the end of the season. And, and I wonder if he finally kind of just felt the pressure where, you know, everybody was pretty unhappy with how he was handling things. And, and I'm wondering if what we're seeing here is him basically saying to the baseball ops guys, go for it. It kind of seems like that because th- these hirings have the baseball ops guys fingerprints all over them. I think you're yeah. right about that. And how long has it been since we could point to any kind of transaction? And it's say, been, I mean, outside of the draft, it's been a while since something's happened that didn't look like it had Castellini's fingerprints on it. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been pretty optimistic, and we thought the Reds had a chance to turn the corner for a while now, a year and a half probably. But the reason that we got sort of downtrodden during the middle of this season and, and all the way through the end, and I don't want to go back and listen to any of those podcasts because we were, it was pretty brutal for a while. But the reason was we couldn't see the baseball ops guys' fingerprints on any decision that was being made. Or if the their fingerprints were on the these decisions, then woof, we need new baseball ops guys. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you, you want to answer some viewer mail, Jason Linden? I would love to answer some listener mail, Chadwick Dawson. Viewer mail. It's listener it's, email. Let's go, Jason. I, we, we, we're not going to do this every week, okay? It's viewer oh, mail. We're going to do this every week. The, the 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 watchers, I guess, the viewers have spoken because every email I get says viewer mail. Well, I, one, you're the only one who can see that, and I, <laughs> you I think lying. you're familiar with evidentiary rules, and <laughs> unless it's publicly available for all in the courtroom to see, I don't think that it counts. I'm not under oath, Counselor. Well. Uh, let's answer one from Nathan Kern. Nathan Kern has emailed me at uh, chaddotson at redlegnation.com, as you can, if you want us to answer any uh, viewer mail questions. We'll try to get through as many as we can. We can't get to them all, but we, I will promise that I will read every single one of them. And Nathan Kern asks two questions. Number one, and we'll, we'll take them individually. The first one is, I know that they hired David Bell as the next manager, and he's kind of an outsider to the organization. Do you think that the next bench coach should be an outsider as well, or does it even matter? What do you think, Jason? I don't think it matters. I, I don't even like. I'm, I'm not. I've never been entirely sure, frankly, what the bench coach really does. But I think as long as I think the most important thing for the bench coach is just that the manager trusts him to provide the information that that is deemed necessary. I think that's probably 100 percent correct. But I'm going to disagree. What do you think about that? 
All right, bring it. I think that the the bench coach, just like the pitching coach, should come from outside the organization, not necessarily because it just has to be outside the organization, that no one within the Reds organization is any good. I just think there's two reasons. Number one, from a public perception standpoint, this offseason the Reds need to have, because, I mean, look, attendance is through the uh, the uh, floor. They've got to they got to show us a serious break from the the way they've done things in the past. So if you're bringing back guys that have already been here in this organization, they're the guys that have helped lead the Reds to a garbage half century or half decade, half yeah. century too. Really, we're getting close to that point. But um, so so I think just from a public perception standpoint. But the other thing is what I like about bringing in David Bell, and what I like about bringing in. Um, Derek Johnson as the pitching coach. Are these are guys who have been in other very successful organizations? So they've seen things that that other organizations are doing. They have different ideas about ways to do things, and they're just they bring more uh, outside the box thinking that you may not get if you stay with guys within the organization. Now, if the Reds have Billy Hatcher as their bench coach, are they going to lose more games than they would have otherwise? No. I mean, you're right. What does the bench coach even do? First of all. But um, I just I, I think that I want a clean break, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I just want I think if it's David Bell's team, it's David Bell's team. And basically, I th- my understanding has always been that that the bench coach more than anything else was the deal um, where the, the manager got to choose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was up to him and that's how it was. And I'm fine with that. David Bell can have who he wants. And what you're saying is absolutely correct. I mean, I do. I don't disagree with you. You know, David Bell needs to pick the best available bench coach, whoever that is. He may be within inside the Reds organization already. So the guy that can you know, sort of help him, guys, he can bounce ideas off of. Uh, it, it, I agree. We should trust David Bell on that one. He knows the guy that, he, that can help him the best, I think. Next question from Nathan, who emailed us, uh, viewer mail. I got to get viewer mail. I got to get that viewer mail at redlegnation.com. I got to get that set up. But until then, it's Chad Dotson at redlegnation.com. Remember, it's spelled when you get it. It's L I S T N E R M A I L, Chad. Hey, I had some guy this week email and say that uh, the Lisa Alberto Bonilla thing is getting uh, played out. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, it'll be played out maybe after his Hall of Fame plaque is up. That's my catchphrase, man. We got Lisa Alberto Bonilla. Sorry to the guy that emailed me about that. We still love you. Appreciate you listening. Nathan's other question was this. And I think this is an interesting question. Do you think David Bell was the primary guy, or do you think he was the backup plan since they didn't get Joe Girardi? Do you have any thoughts on that? I think he was the primary guy. I don't think Girardi was the front runner ever. Joe Girardi, it was really interesting the way that all that went down. Girardi announced that he was pulling his pulling out of the uh, competition for Reds manager. And when I see that, and if you look at like college coaches and, and just everywhere, this is a thing. When someone knows they're not getting it, the team will let them announce they're withdrawing their name from consideration Yeah, to help them yeah. save face. Uh, here he had two interviews, though. It was really strange, and uh, the timing of it was really strange. But I think David Bell's probably probably the number one choice as well. I think I agree with you on that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I you know, I just still you know, people are real excited about Joe Girardi, but can can like Joe Girardi basically spent ten years managing the Yankees to kind of okay records with an astronomical payroll. It's not like he worked magic. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, he, he, was, he was with the Yankees. He's not like he wasn't like you know Joe Madden getting the Devil Rays to winning with like duct tape and a two by four. Like, no, he was the Yankees were fine. They didn't make the playoffs all that often, frankly, under his under his tenure. So I don't know what the big deal is about Joe Girardi, except that he played for the Yankees. So people get all excited when they hear his name. Yeah, he yeah. for the Yankees, I should say. I will say that I have, uh, I hesitate to say this, but some friends who are Yankees fans and who are also fairly open-minded when it comes to analytics and sabermetrics and all the newfangled jargon. And they say that they, they felt like Girardi was very open-minded with all that stuff. But now the, the rumor was he had trouble communicating with some of his guys. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I, to my mind, David Bell probably was the number one choice. And I don't know if he was actually the best choice because I think he was probably the number one choice that baseball ops thought they could get by Bob Castellini. Because Castellini was fired up about the fact that uh, it's a Cincinnati kid whose father and grandfather played for the Reds. Maybe, but if so, cool, because he seems like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, I got no problem with it. I'm not suggesting that... Uh, I think he was the number one candidate because of that reason. I think that probably did bump him up a little bit, but I think he was a legitimate number one candidate just on his own merits. I, again, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do a disservice to David Bell. I'm I'm happy that he's the Reds manager, and yes, I was happy that Brian Price got hired. Yeah. So take it. Sometimes you're wrong about things. Take it with a grain of salt. So again, I mean, you know, frankly, we've been kind of hard on Brian Price here, but I don't know that anybody could have won with the rosters that he was handed. Well, there there are two sides to that coin. Brian Price was not the open-minded guy that we were sort of promising that he hinted he would be early on, but Sparky Anderson wasn't going to win with those rosters. So how do how do we even know? How do we know what Brian Price was? I still don't. I'm not sure we do. And he's probably a really good pitching coach, and I hear he's getting some interest now as a pitching coach with other organizations. And I hope he lands on his feet. Yeah, yeah. He can drop a bunch of f bombs at some other beat writer. And may. We'll see. And he may. That's right. How does that help the Reds? Yeah. Um, okay, let's go to another question from our old buddy, John Juan. Viewer mail question. Actually, John says viewer slash listener mail question. Oh, yes. He's not taking a stand on this one. He's... I knew you were being forthcoming with the evidence, Chad. <laughs> John, you need to be a little bit, uh, you need to take a stand uh-huh. on one way or the other. I, I admire it, John. I admire your, <laughs> your boldness in in, uh, in flouting Chadwick's authority. Oh, my goodness. Take it to the appellate court, man. I recently heard an interesting idea on the radio, says John. With more and more managers simply being proxies for the GM front office to impugn their philosophies, do you see a day where the GM and manager are merged, like in basketball with Greg Popovich and Doc Rivers? Also like uh, Philadelphia 76ers Brett Brown for the last you know six months or so until they hired a former player as general manager. Would this be beneficial? So what do you think about that? A day where the GM and manager are merged? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I don't really see baseball going that way. Um, if for no other reason than I feel like they, they kind of we're getting a lot of like advanced degrees in the front office right now. Yeah, the MIT which, guys. Yeah, which former players tend to not have. Right. Um, I could imagine it. I mean, it's not, it's not unimaginable, but I... I think it would have to be a fairly special case. I'd be very surprised. Um, I think you're right. I think there's so much that goes into being a baseball general manager. Uh, you know, in basketball, you've got your 12 guys, 
You've got a, a couple guys like on a on a two way contract. You got some other guys playing in the G League. With baseball, you've got an entire organization that you've got to manage, and you got other guys to help you with uh, the minor leagues and all that. But I just think the GM's job uh, it's 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 gone the opposite direction. The Reds yeah. have Dick Williams as, as uh, president of baseball operations, Nick Crawl as general manager, and they're both sort of doing the job that the general manager used to do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I think it'd be very difficult. And, and the, what you point out as well, which is that you get these MIT guys now, um, you also kind of need, and I think the Reds, that's why the Reds sought out a guy like David Bell. You kind of need a guy that can communicate to the players. Yeah. That can bridge that gap. And I'm just not sure you know, that uh, a GM type. It would take a really special case, I think, for it to happen. It would. Like Phil Goslin, who went to the University of Virginia, very highly educated. He could probably do it. Sorry. College basketball season. Virginia's going to make it to the round of 32 this year. I'm giving you an opportunity to. Mock. I was trying. To, I was trying to stay silent as long as I could, and just let you like string yourself out there. <laughs> I'm giving you an opportunity to mock my, my school for losing the as well, number one seed. You know, I I don't think I. You know, I think that was one of those cases where uh, I, I think everybody was filling the blanks in pretty well on their own. Let's <laughs> They're ranked number five in the country to start the season. Yeah. Well, you know, what were they ranked last year? All I care about is that they don't get a number one seed this year. I want him to be like a three seed. That's fine. Anyway, my college basketball podcast will post tomorrow. No, I don't really have a college basketball podcast. We got another question, though, about uh, the pitching coach. And, uh, oh, look, it's actually from Nathan Kern again. I didn't notice that when I picked these questions. So, But we're going to answer another one from Nathan. Thanks for emailing, Nathan, to viewer mail, as he, as he calls it, viewer mail. Yeah, he'll get it right eventually. Nathan's on Hash Brown Team Listen, Chad. Listeners? Listeners, it's not just the Chad Dotson show. I know he's on here every week, and he sort of controls things. But you, listen, the power is in the hands of the people. It's true. If you all email calling it listener mail, eventually you'll win. I agree. Chad is defeatable. Let's fight against Chad in in the name of rationality. I will bow to the will of the people. Nathan asks in his viewer mail question, with the addition of Derek Johnson as the new pitching coach, do you think he'll be able to develop more of these younger pitchers like Molly and Stevenson, seeing uh, as the Brewers haven't had any big-name starters and made the National League Championship Series? Thank you for your question. Uh, And this is rank speculation, but uh, yes. I mean, look at that Brewers pitching staff. Do you you want to hear my rank speculation? Let's hear it. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't think Molly didn't develop. I think he just had kind of sophomore slumpy stuff, you know. Um, I think I think he's fine. I think that to some extent also, you know, players are responsible for their own selves. Uh, tr- true, but maybe, maybe the Reds have not facilitated those guys. It's Although- possible. Let me circle back. I agree. You're absolutely right. We we can't put Tyler Malley and Robert Stevenson in the same. Tyler Malley's yeah. right on schedule. Yeah. I mean, he's 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 one of the uh, to me, he's one of the victories of the development uh, crew there with the Reds. I mean, he's going to be a valuable major league pitcher this year. I fully believe that. Yeah, I do too. But you know, you look at that uh, rotation or the uh, staff there in Milwaukee, it's not a, you know, 
not a gorgeous staff, you know, with Miley and uh, Gonzalez, Chasin, uh, Chase Anderson, Jimmy Nelson. Jimmy Nelson, that sounds too much like uh, uh, Jim, what's, uh, Jimmy Haynes. Jimmy Haynes. I was blanking on Jimmy Haynes. Got a picture of Jimmy Haynes on the, off, uh, the wall of my office, Jason. Do you really? I do, if you can believe it. It's a it's a panoramic of the first pitch ever thrown at Great American Ballpark, which was thrown by the immortal Jimmy Haynes. But you look at that group. It's not a dynamite group, but they were like number four staff in the National League, I think, this year. And everybody seems to give credit to uh, Derek Johnson for that. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the reason the Reds went out to get the best available pitching coaches because they recognize that p- the pitching staff has been a disaster and development of these young guys has been a disaster by and large, not entirely, but by and large. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the answer is who knows, but I think that's the idea behind hiring him, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's I think that's the idea, and we'll see. And, and well, and, you know, it's uh, the winner, and so we're going to be hopeful, right? Yes. We're going to be hopeful. All right. Now, we've got another one, and I'm going to try. I'm not sure I can do this. This is from our buddy Steve Offenbaker, and uh, he sent this to us uh, actually on Twitter, at Red Leg Nation, uh, or maybe at Red Leg Radio. Um, it's, I can't guarantee I'm going to get to you if you send it to us on Twitter. This is uh, going out to our, uh, this guy, Phil Razor, who won't leave us alone on Twitter because we don't answer his questions that he sends us on Twitter. That that guy. Oh, he's annoying. I blocked him. Smart man. Yeah, I didn't really, but I'm going to. Yes, you should. Ugh. But anyway, uh, Steve sent us a question, and I've known Steve for a long time. Um, probably. Well, there's one strike, I guess. <laughs> I know, right? More than two decades. Steve lives in Hawaii. That's like not even in the United States, I don't think. It's like another Pretty country. Sure it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's another country or something. So I'm not sure how well this is going to come through. I'm going to try to uh, try to play this because he sent us a video via Twitter, um, asking us a question about uh, one of our favorite guys, Nick Senzel. So I'm going to try it. If it sounds bad, I apologize. I'll try to fix it as much as I can. I just have to say ahead of time, this is compelling because we are, you really, frankly, are the viewer of this mail. As a matter of fact. We're through the looking glass, guys. <laughs> we really are. Steve's entire uh, t- tweet was viewer mail and then the video of him. Sitting in his car, you know, asking a question. So this literally is viewer mail. Thank you, Steve. All right, here we go. Steve Offenbaker. Aloha, Red Leg Nation. This is Stephen Offenbaker checking in from the Big Island of Hawaii. My question is about Nick Senzel. I'm wondering what you guys think about the ability of David Bell to get Nick Senzel in the lineup like he deserves to be, and uh, maybe what position that would be at. Um, There's some opportunity for some creativity with David Bell that I didn't think we had before under Riggleman. So what do you guys think about uh, Bell's ability to get Sinzel in, and where do you think he'll play him? Uh, thanks for taking my question. Aloha. There you go, Stephen Offenbeck. I'm going to retweet that from the Red Leg Nation radio account, which is at Red Leg Radio, so that you all can see Stephen. And, uh, you know, if you send us some videos on, uh, on that, at Red Leg Radio on Twitter, those are actual viewer mail questions, and I'll be compelled to probably play some of those. So, Nixon Zell, what do you think about uh, the future I, Nixon Zell with David Bell in charge? 
I've got opinions. Oh, you always have opinions. So let's I hear. Always them. have opinions with David Bell in charge, and this is. I'm still. I'm making some presumptions about how much latitude the front office is going to be given. Okay. Um, I think that Nick Senzel, assuming you know health, which I think is reasonable, he had some fluky injuries this year. I think he plays 140 games for the Reds this year. And I think somewhere close to half of those are in center field with the rest kind of scattered around. I like it. That's that's what I think. We're hearing things, you know, uh, we're hearing things recently that make it seem like, yeah, the Reds screwed up and they had to, he had to have another surgery, Sinzel. They should have gotten it done months ago. But the talk we're hearing is that Sinzel probably couldn't play shortstop. We had hoped that. You and I had a, <laughs> almost a whole podcast dreaming about that. But the Reds kind of believe he can handle center field. It's a game changer. Yeah. So you think that's going to happen this year, even with him not I, having. I, I mean, I think that he is for sure going to play. And so then the question is if he is for sure going to play. Where? And right now, as long as Scooter Jeanette is on the team, the answer is center field. Center field, I mean, we love Billy Hamilton. But center field is probably the weakest position for the Reds right now, overall. Yeah, and if, so. Nixon, if Nick Senzel can play it, then that's where you play him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, but here's what I see happening. The Reds are going to make my head hurt. They're going to, I'm going to be so upset. I was, I started out this podcast trying to be optimistic and I was happy about the way things were going the last couple of weeks, but he's going to start in, in triple a, there's no question that he's going to start in triple a. And at this point, they're going to use the excuse. He's got to learn center field. And I'm afraid they're going to leave him down there for six weeks or more. That's why no, you, you say 140 just, games. That's what I'm worried about. So that he can play center field every day. I think he'll be up in two weeks. Oh man. I hope you're right because I do, I do not believe that. I just don't. I, nothing I in the way they've treated him weeks. makes me think that. Two weeks and they will magically be like, well, you know, we've really seen some development from Nick Senzel. I felt like it was time to call him up. And, I mean, he could be hitting like, you know, 084 and they'll have magically seen something and he'll come up. Yeah, like with Acuna uh, with the Braves this year. It was not really hitting that well in AAA. But, oh, he's ready all of a sudden. And you know what? He was ready. Yes. Uh, I just don't see it. I, they've jerked him around, and, and maybe maybe there's a new uh, new sheriff in town, and maybe that won't be the case. Maybe David Bell will say, "I need this guy. I demand to have this guy," and maybe they'll listen. I don't know, but I just think that's a great excuse to keep him in AAA even longer. There's just no, but there's no reason. Yeah, right? There's no like, upside to it. Reason. I feel like the reason he stayed down as long as he did last year is because Bob Castellini was in love with Billy Hamilton, and who when they weren't even talking about since Ellen Center, but he was. For sure in love with Scooter Jeanette. And then if he can't play short and he can't play second, where does he play? He can't play third because there's an MVP candidate at third base. You're not moving Suarez. So he didn't have anywhere to play because Castellini wouldn't let them move Jeanette. Um, but I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. Yeah, maybe I'm just being too cynical. I'll concede that because of the way they treated him this year. Uh, he should have been here in April of 2018. He should have been in Cincinnati. Now, maybe he still gets hurt. Maybe he still go, misses the end of the year. Uh, whatever. I don't know. But it should have happened in Cincinnati. There was no justification for keeping him down. And any justification that was given was ludicrous. I don't believe it. And I'm, you know, I like Dick Williams a lot. 
Um, I like Nick Crawl. Uh, I have a, a higher opinion of those guys in the in the Reds front office than a lot of people do at this point. But I, they whiffed on that one. So I'm probably being cynical about the the treatment of Nick Senzel. I expect Nick they'll lose Nick Senzel in the Rule Five draft at some point. They won't. They'll keep him down for another couple of years. And uh, whoa, Chad, slow down, slow down. And then the slow Cubs down. will grab him in the Rule Five draft. Yeah, that's too far. Slow down. All right. Come back to us, Chad. Come back to us. I'm slowing down. There he goes again. There he goes again. All right. So no, I mean I think I think he's clearly going to be up soon, but I think they'll keep him down longer than ordinarily they would have. And you know I've I've said I'm going to be up seriously upset, and I am going to be upset if he's not on the opening day roster because he's yeah. one of the best 25 guys in this organization. Yeah. Uh, but so here's their excuse to keep him down at least a little bit. And I'm just afraid they'll keep him down longer. Um, but man, he turns Billy Hamilton into a fourth outfielder and you know, Billy's my guy. Yeah. But sign me up for that. Yeah. Right there with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for that question. Um, let's go to one more question there. Um, from Kyle Schnipple, I think is how you pronounce that. Schnipple? Schnipple. Schnipple? I don't want to make fun of that name, but it's a, it's almost, uh, this is a family podcast. I'm afraid I can't say that. I just think it's fun. It's a fun name. It is a fun name, Kyle. Thank you. It's not like his name is Chadwick. Chadwick is a ludicrous name. Completely ludicrous. Hey, you know what you always say? Uh, you, people probably believe it, but uh, what do you always say my uh, my middle name is? You are Your full name is Chadwick Ulysses Dotson. Yes, that's what you say. Yeah. Um, and, and I just finished a biography by Ron Chernow about uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah. It was really good. I can believe it. I've read two biographies of his uh, this year. Though. I read his, his biography about Washington. Uh, that's, that's George Washington. Yeah. They should name a university after him. I went to a university oh, named after yeah, him. That's right. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no. The Grant book was good. The uh, Washington book was good. The email from Kyle Schnipple, pretty good too. All right, let's hear it. All right, now, yeah. and this is this is a sort of a difficult question for us to answer, and uh, let's do our the best we can. I will do the best I can. Sweet, so and best you can both at the same time. Excellent. Your best is going to be better than mine. We know that. Sweet Lou Pinella had some comments about turning over twenty five percent of the lineup after the World Series win in nineteen ninety. Who would you turn over from this year to next? So, here's what Kyle's asking. You know, Sweet Lou said, and I think he's probably right. You kind of got to keep churning the the lineup to try to improve the team at all times. So, you know, he, he talked about turning over 25% of the lineup after the World Series win in 1990. It's a little different, though, turning the lineup over from a world champion than it yeah. is turning it over from a dumpster fire team that lost like 700 games this year. Yeah. But it's an interesting question because the lineup is kind of the strength of this team. So who do you yeah. turn over? I, I still answer this question easy. There's, I think you're going to say there's only one position to turn over. Nope. Two? Three. 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 Mm. In a perfect world, three. That's that's 33% of the lineup. It is. And in, in a perfect world, you turn over Hamilton, and you turn over Shebler, and you turn over Jeanette. Yeah, you're right. You're right. In, a, per, in a perfect world. Yeah. Because, and you know, Hamilton for obvious reasons, but... Uh, Shebler and Jeanette are just such good candidates to, to flame out um, that you just, you know, you, you don't, 
if you if you can find a better option, you take it in an ideal world. Well, those are the three spots where you really should be looking to upgrade. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's going to come off. I know how it is because we've been on that garbage website, twitter.com, far too often. It comes across as being he hates Scooter and he hates Shebler. And nothing could be further from the truth. I love those guys. I think they're both above average hitters. Chad hates Scooter. <laughs> Hash Brown Chad hates Scooter. At Dotson C. Tweet at him about it now. The next guy that, that tweets, Hash Brown, Chad hates Scooter. The first guy that tweets that at me is getting blocked. The second guy is getting followed. I don't even know what that means. but Hang on, I got a tweet. <laughs> so that you'll get blocked? <laughs> um, Scooter Jeanette, yeah, you know, I mean, right. In a perfect world, you try to upgrade there. He's going to be 29. His defense is lousy. Great bat. Don't mind having him. But you you could upgrade there, possibly. Billy Hamilton, he's a comic book superhero, but uh, he's Billy Hamilton, uh, you know. And Shebler is a probably I would say an average player. Yeah. And that is not a criticism. There is great value in having average players because you don't have a below replacement level player. You got a guy that's an average player or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the rotation or whatever. Yeah. Every team, every good team. So those are the ones you upgrade. I think, though, that uh, what we're going to, I'm afraid we're going to see zero upgrades. You'll and, see at least one. Senzel's replacing somebody. Well, it's got to be Hamilton. I don't see who else yeah. he can replace. I, well, I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree. But I think that will happen at, at the very least. Do you think they'll uh, drop Shebler to the fourth outfielder role? No, I think they'll drop Hamilton to the fourth outfielder role. You think they'd do that before Shebler? Oh, yeah. Hamilton's fast. He is. Shebler hits the ball. Ha- Hamilton is like really fast. Sure. He catches Listeners, lots of baseballs. I think we've lost Chad. <laughs> it's often like Hamilton dreamland. Sometimes I sort of go into this, uh, you know, catatonic state just. Bit of a reverie. Billy, Billy. I'm just not confident they're going to put Senzel in center field yet. Boy, it solves every problem with this lineup, though, if they do. It solves a substantial portion of the problems with the lineup. Well, you're right, but it's, yeah, a a big portion, right? And then if you do that, really, I think you're okay turning over the the pitching staff. You need to turn over, you know, 60% of the pitching staff. Yeah, not twenty five percent, but I think uh, I think you can if you put Senzel, install him in center field, and all of a sudden you go out and get the pitching. Get the pitching. I'm in. All right, thank you for the uh, the uh, viewer mail question, and, and let me just say Kyle's uh, subject here is viewer mail exclamation point. Listener mail, Kyle, buddy, you're on my side. Love you, buddy. We're- Rebel with me, people. Rebel. Kyle is my favorite right now. All right. All right. Jason, I want to... Listener mail. <laughs> it's not listener mail. I don't know why you keep saying that. They're viewers. Uh, we need some. We need to get Paul Schaefer to give us a little bit of viewer mail intro music. Do you think I can get Paul Schaefer on the uh, on the podcast? Um, you, I, I mean, his old boss is from Indiana, so maybe. Ooh, that's true. Ball State University. Yeah. All right, whatever. So here's here's the question I want to ask you, Jason. 
Okay, ask me a question. Actually, I'm not going to ask you that question just yet. I want to circle back to Derek Johnson. Okay. I want to read you a paragraph that uh, was published in the digital pages of redlegnation.com today. The digital pages of redlegnation.com. Yes. Fine website. Fine website. Love that website. Many good writers and also Chad. (laughs) I just want to be loved. I know. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it won't be the last time. (laughs) Boy, I tell you what, I have committed to doing a podcast every week this off season and, uh, yeesh, it may get crazy, but then again, it'll be fun. There's gonna be more stuff to talk about later, but uh, what about this thought about, uh, about the Derek Johnson hiring? It's audacious. And, uh, and Steve at the, at the website said, what if you're listening to the, the meeting where the Reds are talking about it, their pitching coach. And they say, if we could get the one person we most want, regardless of how plausible it is, who would it be? And there's a pretty good chance the answer to that question is Derek Johnson, the Reds' new pitching coach. And they went out and got the guy. This is what I wanted to talk about in terms of being optimistic. Is that not the single thought, if that's the way it went down, that would cause you to be optimistic about the, the chance that the Reds are going to do the other things that you and I have said they should do this offseason, which is go it get would, It would make me optimistic. It would, yes. But a pitching coach is not Clayton Kershaw or Jacob deGrom or fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank. But it's the first step. It is, yeah. But again, when they, if they, when they add a legit high-end starting pitcher, I'm on board. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm going to be hesitant until. I mean, I really, they need to add two pitchers minimum, really. But if they, you know, I assume they, those won't both come at the exact same time. But when they add one, I will be like, okay, I think they're really doing what they promised now. But if they're willing to ask the question, who's the best guy we can get? And then they go out and make a commitment to get that guy? To me, that may... Again, I'm yeah, searching. I, I agree. I I'm agree. searching here. It could be an early sign, but I want to see more. Yeah, they got to follow through. Absolutely, yeah. yeah they've got to follow through, but wow. We've not seen the Reds do that in a long time. It's true. Last offseason, it was like, eh, let's just hang on to Brian Price. And well, let's get a couple of relievers. But now it's, you know, we, it's do or die time. They're going to lose another generation of fans if they don't. So. Yeah. Well, okay, so this brings me to the question. I wanted to ask you this question here at the, at the beginning of this offseason, and then we're going to talk about it again in spring training. Okay. I want to know, Jason, and I haven't prepared Jason Linden for this, so he's going to be, I mean, this is just off the top of his well, head. He's going to show you how talented he is at podcasting, that he's going to be able to answer this question. So much talent. Clearly, cogently, lucidly, if that's even a word. You're the English teacher, you tell me. It's a word. We'll All right. It. The question is, Jason Linden. Chadwick Dotson. What is the record going to be at the Cincinnati Reds in 2019? There's so many unknowns, but I want to know whether you are optimistic that they're going to go out and get the pitching. So I want to know what your prediction is as to their record next year. And, and the viewers are going to hold us to this. Man, so much pressure, Chad. That's a tough question because there's so, so many unknowns. Pressure. Because I, I don't know yet. I don't know who they've signed. Right. But All do, right. You, do you think they're going to sign some guys? I'm going to choose to have faith. you 
because it's the offseason. We have to have faith in the offseason. And I'm going to predict 86 wins next year. 86 wins? Wins. That's that's a record of 86 and 76. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm good at math. I figured that out in my head. Very good. 86 and 76. Yeah. Wow. All right, tell you where I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going with 80 and 82. 80 and 82. Oh, ye of little faith. That's quite a bit of faith. 82 losses? That's the fewest they've had in half a decade. So, listeners, so, I want you all to uh, write that down. And I want you to call us to, uh, you know, hold our feet to the fire. Who's going to be right, Jason or me? What I'm concerned about is that it's another 94 loss season and we're both wrong. Man, I just can't see that happening. They can't let that happen again. Can they? No, they can't. Can you imagine what a dumpster fire it's going to be if the Reds lose 90 games again? Listen, I really just need them to win more than three of their first 21, if we're being honest. <laughs> That's not asking a whole lot, is I it? I podcast after that again. I can't do it. Man, that really just... I do want to go back and listen to you and I talking right after that start. Because we were like, what is going on? Oh That's God. the bad place, Chad. I don't want to go there. So let's not go back to the bad place, to the upside down. Yes. All right. Okay, so there you go. Jason says 86 and 76. I say 80 and 82. I'm, I'm happy to believe that the Reds are going to improve, but I'm not sure they're going to be willing to go all in enough to get to a winning record. So we'll see who's right. We will see who is right. It's going to be me. All right. Anything else you want to talk about, Jason? I don't think so. You reading good books lately? Um. Well, I'm currently teaching Anna Karenina, so that's taking up most of my reading time. But Anna Karenina is a brilliant novel if anybody wants to devote a month or a month and a half to it. It is, it is the greatest novel ever written. Jason, I'm going to tell you something that's sort of embarrassing to admit publicly. I've never read Anna Karenina. It's really not embarrassing to admit, Chad. I can't, even, I can't even shame you on that one. Most people haven't, but you should because it really – you read it and you're thinking the whole time, oh, oh, so this is the best book ever. It's on my shelf, but yeah, I've not read it. Take it down. The Pavir and Volkonsky translation I recommend. Take it down and read it. Is it really the, uh, it really the best is. novel ever? It re- and, and let me tell you something. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Like, Chekhov thought that. Faulkner thought it. I think Hemingway thought that. Like, uh, Vladimir uh, Nabokov, author of Lolita, thought that. It, it, it's a very well-regarded novel. Um, yeah. No, wait, it's, it, yeah. Go ahead. Really? That's... No, it really, it really is. It really is. It's huge, but all of it's necessary, and it's just entirely remarkable. You come out to the end of it, and I'm not even joking. You read it all the way through, and you get to the end, and you go, oh, so that's the meaning of life. It's not hyperbole. Whoa. Yeah. The the meaning of life? I'm not kidding. I I promise you, this is me in earnest English teacher mode. I'm telling you. There's there's never been a book written that is better than Anna Karenina. No, that's not true. It's true. It's not true. It's true. I can name seven... Different books. All you written, haven't read Anna Karenina. I don't have to read it. I can re- name seven different books, all written by John Grisham, that are better than 
Anna Karenina. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chad Dotson's last appearance on the podcast. <laughs> Kicking me off my own podcast. Yes. You want me to tell you what my favorite novel is before we get I off do. here? Isn't it Gatsby? No, that's I, I, I still am just, I think it's because when I read it, I think it just always sort of stuck with me. My favorite novel is by uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafon, The Shadow of the Wind. I've never heard of this book. Are you serious? I'm serious. You're like the book guy, and I, I go to you for I my book know. recommendations. You just threw a curveball at me, and I swung and missed. This is a book. My bro- my brother, who's a big, he's he, he considers himself a literary genius, and he's way more impressed than me, impressive than me. But he likes a hundred years of solitude. But oh, that's a great one too. That's yeah, a real yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm reading that now. But the Shadow of the Wind, 2001 novel. And I'm telling you, Jason, I'm I'm a little surprised that uh, you haven't read this one. Well, I will add it to the list. And in fact, I will do something that I rarely do when I say I will add it to the list. I will actually add it to the list and place it near the top. Thank you. It is believed to have sold 15 million copies worldwide I'm reading right now. Really? One of the best-selling books of all time. Ha! Huh. I read this book because my brother recommended it. And I thought, well, whatever. And uh, I got it on my Kindle. And uh, I started to get into it. And I thought, well... What what is this I'm reading? It was like it it just was life changing. And and by the time I got to the end, I I wanted another thousand pages. Wow! No, it was really that good. So I went and bought the hardback. I loved the Kindle versions so much. I went and bought the hardback. Right. Yes. Uh, you know how that works. Um, like buying it on vinyl. Yeah. Yes, I had to have it on my shelf. Um, it, yeah. It, it really just blew me away. So, The Shadow of the Wind. Uh, go read that book, uh, everybody. So. We got some we got some good uh, feedback uh, from a couple of listeners actually about our discussion of uh, Richard Russo a couple weeks ago. So I thought I'd mention books because you like books, Jason. I always talk about books. Yeah, so always I talk about movies with uh, with Doug uh, Gray, books with you and with uh, Bill. I don't know. We talk about like beer and stuff. There he goes again. <laughs> All right, this is Red Leg Nation Radio. Thanks for listening to the world's most dangerous podcast yet again. I'm Chad Dotson. You can follow me on Twitter at Dotson C. He's Jason Linden. He's at Jason Linden, ironically, on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at Red Leg Radio on Twitter and, uh, of course, RedLegNation.com, where we are talking about the Reds every single day and have been doing so since 2005, which is really hard to believe. And uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast. I say every week, subscribe. We keep getting more uh, reviews every week. Thank you, guys. Man, I really appreciate you all for leaving us those five-star reviews and especially at iTunes and uh, other listeners are finding us every week. And it's funny, our, you know, our number of listeners has not dropped at all since the season ended. I love you guys. Thank you all so much uh, for continuing to listen, to, even though the Reds aren't playing anymore. Um, we're, I promise you, we're not going to talk about the Bengals. That's my pledge to you. Jason, any other thoughts before we uh, call it a night? No, um, I just do want to encourage people to tune in next time where I will teach Chad what irony is. <laughs> when I said that, I was hoping you would say something uh, to, uh, uh, you know, I know what irony is. Well, we'll see. Well, you will after next time. <laughs> don't don't you think? <laughs> For Jason Linden oh, and oh, Alanis Morissette, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.